You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRubber.net, the home side of MindRubber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts, like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who. Also, The Mind Rubbers Versus, where we uh, we find a show that we like. We talk about it episode by episode. Not unlike this show, only it's a little more fast-paced. It's a little more uh, uh, specific, I guess. I don't know. Um, right now, we're talking <laughs> about the ju- we're talking about Justice League. Uh, not not Batman Beyond, as the show notes would uh, have me believe. Um, we're talking about Justice League. Uh, <laughs> and then we're gonna we're gonna do Justice League Unlimited in a few weeks, and then uh, that'll wrap up the DC animated universe, taking us into next year, uh, where we're gonna start off the year talking about Veronica Mars, uh, leading up to the movie, um, which I think we're gonna have to probably be double timing that. We don't know yet because there's no release date for the movie. It's gonna be pretty nuts. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's what we do on that show. Uh, and then there's our flagship podcast where we basically just talk about anything we want. Uh, and if you like our shows, if you like what we talk about, if you like listening to us, review us on iTunes because that really helps us out. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, however, you can email those to us, podcast at mindrubber.net. If you want to start a discussion, find the post of this episode and leave a comment on the website. Uh, most importantly, tell your friends. Uh, so today on the show, we're talking about The Invasion of Time, which is a fourth Doctor story. Uh, but before we get to that, we had some pretty big news this week Yeah. Uh, in that uh, the BBC finally announced, after after uh, months of speculation and rumors, um, they finally announced that for sure they have found... Uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, episodes from two specific stories. Um, they're both available on iTunes. Uh, we now have every episode of Enemy of the World, and we have all but one episode of The Web of Fear. Yes, um, which were both like holy grails as far as uh, the missing Doctor Who episodes were concerned. Mm-hmm. Web of Fear, in particular, Web of Fear was one of those ones that is just wildly considered to be one of the most successful Patrick Troughton outings. It was. A story so famous that John Pertwee cited it as a great example of his era, uh, despite having never fought the Yeti. So there it is. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so it's it's really exciting that these uh, these uh, exist now, and as a result, uh, Matt has uh, has been gracious enough to uh, re- re- restructure our our uh, our ten to one countdown that we're starting in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, which we haven't told you about yet. So uh, thank God for that because it's <laughs> we different were, now. We, we were this close to doing something totally different, and then as a result, it kind of tweaked a whole bunch of different things. Uh huh. And it so. made it better. It did. Um, yeah, it did. It's it's a really good list, um, yeah. and we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but. 
Yeah, I uh, I can't believe that this is a thing. I think my my only my only thing is um, with this is like I've heard you talk about both of these stories. I haven't watched them before. Um, and when I say watch them, it's like, yeah, well, of course I haven't watched them. They didn't exist, but I mean, we didn't cover them on the show. So I didn't watch reconstructions or listen to them or anything like that. Um, so I guess I missed the part where we were missing these. So it's, <laughs> it's like, it's really exciting, but not as, as exciting as I would imagine it would be for you who has watched both of those probably multiple times through reconstructions and audio stuff. Yeah. So. Um, I imagine this is a much bigger deal for you than it is for me, but I'm very excited to have two more Patrick Troughton stories uh, yeah. because I love Patrick Troughton. So mm-hmm. there you go. And they're really significant ones. Like, and it's funny because I keep telling, like, <laughs> I keep, t- I kept telling you, like, it's funny because you don't have like the 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 like total knowledge of what every story is because you haven't seen them yet. So like yeah. <laughs> when I go, they found Enemy of the World. You're just like, oh, that's really cool. And uh, and I'm like, in the Web of Fear, you're like, oh yeah, that's the one with like the Yeti, right? And you're like, yeah, 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 that's the famous Yeti one. He's like, oh, you're like, oh, cool. And then I go, do you remember which one Enemy of the World is? And then uh, and then you go, no. And I'll just go, it's the one where Patrick Troughton plays the bad guy. And you just go, oh, snap. But you didn't say, oh, snap. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was just like, oh, my God. It was so it was so funny watching that happen over and over and over again. And now um, we get to watch them. Uh, spoilers, one of them will be in the countdown. Um, uh, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's interesting because it's like the one that's not in the countdown, I'm dying to watch now because I'm not going to be watching it for a while. And it's crazy because it's going to be like new Doctor Who for me. Like, I'm going to be watching five new episodes of Doctor Who, or I'm going to be- basically nine new episodes of Doctor Who that I'd never seen before. And four of them I'm going to be able to watch like right now. And it's, it's nuts. It's nuts to think about. Um, just so cool. So, so, so cool. And are you gonna times. are you gonna go into your uh, classical Gallifrey thing and, and do an update? Maybe for, I don't know. For those episodes? Maybe. I mean it's funny because I don't a lot of what I wrote about wasn't necessarily dependent on what we were seeing. I guess I would mm-hmm. be the thing that's really significant, especially about Web of Fear, um, although Enemy of the World too, is that Web of Fear is directed by Douglas Camfield, who's one of the great directors of the 1960s. Um, he directed uh, Planet of Giants. He did Seeds of Doom. Um, he did uh, Terror of the Zygons. I know that those are in the 70s. Those are Tom Baker stories. But um, he was like, oh, he did The Invasion. And he did, and like, that was like one of the things. And he was the guy who taught Graham Harper how to direct. Like, Graham Harper was his assistant. So learned all of his directing things from Douglas Camfield. So... And Web of Fear is like this tonal, claustrophobic action thriller in the London underground. And just the first episode is, I when I when you watch it, it's it's cruel because it is the first episode. And so you're just like you're getting like this tease of this really great story that is designed to be a scary horror thriller action piece. Um, and so the next five episodes, you're just like, but I wanna I wanna see the military shooting yetis, and I wanna see the yetis shooting web guns. Um, and so, like, we never really got to see that. And now we're able to see it. So both of those stories are now on iTunes for $10 a piece, um, which is not bad for six episodes of Doctor Who. Um, well, 12, really. So you get 12 episodes of Doctor Who for, like, 20 bucks, which is pretty fantastic. Um, and, like, really good, wonderful remastered restorations. Um, and there's possibly the hint that there's more coming. I mean, they didn't say that there's not more coming. But they said that, like, it's so weird because if you look at the numbers... Um, we found nine. They found nine episodes. They technically found 11, but two had already been discovered. They found 
uh, Enemy of the World Part 1 and... Um, or an Enemy of the World Part 3 and Web of Fear Part 1 in this batch of episodes. And it's weird because they found nine. Now, in the last 20 years, 21 really, they found only eight missing episodes. <laughs> so, like... We went from we went from like just a slow trickle in, and all of a sudden we just get nine, and that to me is just like, well, what if there's more, and they're not sitting on them because they're they're just sitting on them because they're not ready yet. Um, mm-hmm. And it's well, because just... that's that's the that's the thing is like, people are just like, well, why don't you just announce that you have them so we have something to look forward to? The BBC doesn't work that way. They've never worked that way. They announce things immediately before releasing them like Mm -hmm. the fact that they've announced the date for the 50th anniversary special is really only because they knew they weren't fooling anyone (laughs) (laughs) um like if if uh if saturday hadn't fallen on november 23rd they wouldn't have announced the date yet they Mm -hmm. wouldn't have it wouldn't be happening um they wouldn't announce the date until two to three weeks out tops mm-hmm. tops because that's how the bbc works they never announce that uh, dates of release like release dates or or things or anything until almost immediately before they come out mm-hmm. um just because they don't i i guess i guess because they don't they don't like people to know their business is what i can i i can only imagine is the deal um they they uh it's like they don't want all of this because, like, that's that's the problem with entertainment in America right now. It's like uh, you look at um, you look at uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which just wrapped today as of this recording, and now everyone knows that it wrapped in October and it's not due out for almost another year. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're gonna have a bunch of people that are just like, "What are you guys doing? Why aren't you just releasing it? Why aren't you just?" And because people don't get it, I think BBC just does this sort of thing where they don't announce release dates to avoid people. (laughs) Well, it's also like, it's also a case of like, you know, it's one thing to just drum up support for guardians of the galaxy, but that support's got to last you nine months. Whereas the BBC, like, you know, bleeding cool was reporting on these episode finds as of like four months ago. And, I I liked getting them at the time. Like it was crazy to hear just to just because bleeding cool was reporting that there were 90 missing episodes that were found. Um, which, given that there's nine released, is not actually an unbelievable number to me, because um, they yeah. just blanket release nine. Um, what what happens is it actually turns out like if you think about it, what they did is, and if you look, you can do a side by side comparison. They had to go in and clean up all the footage. So like this has been stuff that they've been working on for a while, and this mm-hmm. is when they were ready. So they had mm-hmm. to go in and remaster and reconstruct and like put it all together again so that when they put out that announcement and it exploded the internet, like the internet went crazy. Enemy of the world was trending without a hashtag. It was just trending. Just those words. Um, all of a sudden you can just go to iTunes and just buy them and enemy of the world and web of fear were like number one in the UK iTunes store. Like they were just the number one and two right there. Um, so like if you wait to do it, like you don't have to like ride a huge marketing buzz for ages and ages and ages. Um, and I think it's not a bad idea. It's just really funny because <laughs> by the time that it happened, everyone kind of knew exactly what was coming. We were just waiting for an official announcement and, but it was cool. Cause by the time they hit the official announcement, like they hit the official announcement and 30 seconds later it was available for you to purchase on iTunes. Um, which I think is a great way of 
great way of doing it because it's one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, not only am I excited about this, but I get this now. We still have yet to get released and uh, the Underwater Menace episode two, which they announced like two years ago. Um, that mm-hmm. hasn't been released yet. And I don't know. There's no sign of when it's being released, but these, because they're full stories, they're just like, yeah, let, let's put them out right now. And they did it and it's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can't wait to watch them. So cool. So Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, so we'll be talking about one of those in our uh, 10 to 1 countdown. You can probably guess which one. Um, but for now, we have the invasion of time to talk about. Uh, what's the background and significance for this uh, this particular episode? This particular episode, the invasion of time. It is the season finale of the 15th season of Doctor Who. This is the fourth Doctor's second season. That is Tom Baker, uh, and it is it is. Is this uh, only his second season? Sorry, fourth season. Did I say? Okay, that? I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> Whoops. Um, uh, <laughs> no, this is the four. This is his fourth season. It's the first season under Graham Williams as producer, and um, it's significant for a number of reasons. Number one, it is the departure of Leela. Um, this is the last story that Leela appears in. Uh, she appears in a bunch of spinoff material, you know, years and years after this, but this is her last story. This is also the last story of the K9 Mark one, which was introduced in the invisible enemy because everyone hated K9 because he was so loud and so annoying. Like just like you can just hear the gears grinding. So they designed a new K9 retired K9 one Mark one. And then when they came back with the next season, they came up with a new K9. It is also the return of Gallifrey, which uh, Gallifrey was last visited in The Deadly Assassin. This was an attempt to kind of go back and mine some of that fertile ground. Um, and it's funny because uh, Graham Williams, uh, who would just like, who, uh, you know, was a fan of the show and wanted to make a good show, came to Robert Holmes and was just like, hey, Robert Holmes, uh, Deadly Assassin was really good. It was really popular. I thought that there was a lot of ideas that you could use there. Do you want to come back and write it? And Robert Holmes goes, okay, let me get this straight. I just script edited for three and a half seasons. I just did a story two stories ago. Um, I need to take some time off, so I'll come back next year. But like this year, I've overseen three stories, and I've written another story, which means that there will be only one story this season that I didn't have anything to do with. Uh, I need some time. So... Graham Williams was just like, well, crap. So, <laughs> so uh, his script editor, Anthony Reed, who had just took an, taken over, uh, contemplated for a little bit making Underworld the season finale. Um, that was Oof. a conversation that was had. And then they were just like, mm, no, let's try and find something new. So they found a new writer um, whose name was uh, David Weir. And they came to David Weir and were like, hey, uh, tell us a story about cat people who have ties to Gallifrey and he was like okay so he goes off and writes the story and then they bring in a director whose name is Gerald Blake Gerald Blake Gerald Blake had previously directed the abominable snowmen which was uh, the second story of the fifth season which is the first introduction of the yeti and the great intelligence it was like web of fear is a sequel to that story and they get the script back and Gerald Blake reads the script and just goes, um, we can't produce this because uh, there's a part in here that actually requires, amongst other things, a stadium full of cat people not happening. And so <laughs> Graham Williams and Anthony Reed are just like, ah, crap, we're out of ideas. So they go, OK, well, why don't we just write it? So Graham Williams gets permission from the BBC to have Anthony Reed write the story. And Graham Williams will act as producer and script editor on the story. And he also comes up with like the like the story himself. They outlined it together. And then they produced it and they wrote it and the, they went under the surname David Agnew, which was a, a pseudonym that was popular at the BBC at the time. 
And uh, one of the other reasons why they couldn't do a stadium full of cat people is because they were literally out of money. They had spent so much money on the beginning of the, on the first five stories this season, and they had already slashed the budget. But they had spent so much money that they were literally out of money to make this story. Um, so, so they had no money, so they had to do a bunch of location shooting in an abandoned hospital. Um, and that's why that is all there because they couldn't they couldn't afford to do. Um, uh, studio time because there were threats of labor strikes and stuff as well as not having money. So it's just kind of one of those just disaster nightmare stories where they're just, where it's like all hands on deck. Let's just try and get this out. And uh, I hope Tom Baker can carry us through it. Um, <laughs> that's what this is. This is uh, the invasion of time. Uh, often forgotten, I think, by a lot of people because people go, why don't you? Why don't they ever set an episode inside the TARDIS? They did. This is that story. And let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. But before we do, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you get from a local comic book shop. You pre-order about three months in advance with monthly discount specials that can be up to 75% off. And then just regular everyday discounts, 40% off, 40% off. That's huge. Then, on top of all of that, you can ship as often as you like. So that means monthly, bi-weekly, weekly, whatever. Doesn't matter how large or small your orders are. You only pay six ninety five every time you ship. So uh, thanks to DCBService.com. Okay, so Invasion of Time, I know, uh, I know mostly from the legendary uh, Centaur and Pool Party scene. Um, <laughs> as well as... <laughs> As well as uh, as well as like this this shot that um that that Matt has shown me of of Tom Baker just like chilling with this big rifle, um, <laughs> all of which come from like the last episode. Uh, yes, yes. But uh, so like that's all I knew of this. So I didn't know that the Centaurin portion was only the last two episodes. Yes. Um, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know that the, that they were so separated. Um, the first four parts of this are like, it's, it's, it's weird because what happens is that the doctor is being, I don't know, hypnotized or affected or pretending to be affected or whatever, uh, by, by this alien race that's trying to get control of, uh, Gallifrey called the Vardens. Um, and they look like, they look like shimmery tinfoil, um, until they're revealed to actually have a cool design, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, their 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 uh, uniforms, I guess, are really cool. Yes. That's the one thing that I'll, I'll give them for this is like, I know they're reusing a bunch of outfits, um, but man, they they picked the good stuff to reuse because uh, uh, I don't know the Vardens outfits. I don't know if those are reused or or like repurposed from other outfits or what the deal is, but those look great. And then the freaking uh, Time Lord. Um, the Time Lord, like security officers. Yeah, I cannot get enough of those costumes. Those mm-hmm. are awesome. Absolutely. Um, the, the, oh, the, the red, guards. the red, red jumpsuits with the with the white racing stripes and the the cape and everything. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, one of the best. I think one of the best uniform designs on the entire series. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. Oh it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um. But yeah, so like all of that is is interesting. My my thing with with the doctor is like it's never really made completely apparent about what's going on with the doctor. Um if he's being tricked or 
manipulated or hypnotized or brainwashed or if he's manipulating the bad guys and doing sort of like a double agent thing. I They never really <laughs> explain. Um, he's just kind of being a jerk to everybody. Yes. And – he uh he so he comes to Gallifrey and he's just like yeah no I'm gonna be president now and they're like uh but he's like no I'm gonna be president now and they're like uh, uh, all right uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> so so they make him president and then you know he's like a, he's like an evil dude who's like president of Gallifrey there's no explanation as to why he's evil like he just is and then eventually he snaps out of it I guess. Mm-hmm question mark shrug oh oh i can explain it but it's one of those things that it is not very clear the first time like it's very obfuscated for a while um Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely but like it feels to me like originally uh williams and reed wrote this to be like there's a guy who's doing this like like a like there's just a guy and and uh, the doctor is on Gallifrey and then like eventually through rewrites or whatever, they're like, you know, we could save on the budget by not having, having to hire another actor by just having the doctor do this. And they're like, Oh yeah, good idea. Like, that's what it feels like to me. It feels mm-hmm. like, it feels like they just combined those two roles because they're like, Oh yeah, we've never done evil doctor before. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no guys, it's not interesting really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not why I watch Doctor Who. So, uh, I don't know. Bad move. Bad move. <laughs> um, not not crazy about it. But yeah, so like the, that story with, with the Doctor being somewhat evil and, and, and a lot of bit a jerk. Um, and then and the Vardens and, and all of that. Like that takes the first four episodes. And at the very end of the fourth episode, just out of nowhere... <laughs> They're celebrating, and then they stop celebrating. The doctor's like, "What are you guys looking at?" And he looks over, and the Centaurans are there, and they're just like, "Sup?" And then <laughs> it's the cliffhanger <laughs> with awesome, like just just totally awesome Centauran theme music. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so good! Uh, from now on, whenever I see Centaurans, I'm going to hear that music. Uh, it's so good. It's such a good Centauran theme. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so then uh, the Centaurans, they, they wreck havoc because they want to steal time travel because they're like, oh, the dogs can do it. This is BS. We want to do it too. Um, so they're, uh, you know, cha- basically uh, it's two it's basically two episodes of the Doctor and Company running around Scooby-Doo style with the Centaurans. I mean, really, yes. that's what it is. It's just two episodes of a Scooby-Doo montage. Um <laughs> There's an extended Scooby-Doo chase sequence. Uh, that's all this is. And, yeah. and then in the fourth episode, we're inside the TARDIS, which was shot in an abandoned asylum. <laughs> okay. Imagine what an abandoned asylum looks like with with only daylight to light the set. <laughs> Just daylight streaming in through the windows um, <laughs> because you have daylight in the TARDIS. That's a thing. Uh, look, it's not good. Um, (laughs) it's not good. Uh, it's like, it's kind of like, it really took me, I'd say it took me a solid two minutes to realize like how we had suddenly gotten from being inside the TARDIS to in a warehouse somewhere. 
Um, and yep. then I realized, oh, this is the TARDIS. <laughs> Where is all this sunlight coming from? <laughs> yep. Oof. Yep. Episode Oof. six in which you finally get what you want and it's not anything like what you want it to be. Oh, it is really <laughs> awful. It's so um, bad. It's so, and it's so funny bad. watching the behind the scenes documentary that goes along with this and hearing all of the people just be like, just be like, oh, yeah, this is one of everyone's favorites. We all really love this. Uh, and, you know, I think that uh, an abandoned asylum is uh, a great. I mean, really, it's just it. It's what I would imagine the TARDIS to look like. Like, in what universe would you imagine the TARDIS to look like? Look that awful? Like, just brick that's been painted over with white paint fifty years prior, and now it's all peeling off with graffiti and crap everywhere. There's there's a bot like. There's a scene in this where they're walking down a hallway in this in this asylum and there's one of those like power boxes and it's like there's just a power box on the wall that says 400 watts. That would not be in the TARDIS. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, you can't just you can't even frame that out of the shot. Like, yeah. no one saw that on set and was just like, oh, you know what? Watts is probably not a thing that would be in the TARDIS. Oy. it's so bad and it's he's really got like bad. a sick bay and he's just uh. and then at the end the doctor pulls out a giant rifle and is just like gotta do what's gotta be done like yeah <laughs> which actually happened like you like it's one of those things where it's like they're not gonna do that and then they do and it's uh. like oh my god <laughs> it's so bad i also um I I I pretend that the end of this, uh, where Leela leaves the TARDIS, mm-hmm. I in my head canon, the reason that the the love interest thing comes out of absolutely nowhere, um, <laughs> is is because she's faking it, and that like that's not actually the reason why she's staying behind, and she's staying behind because the Doctor terrifies her now. <laughs> Like, I like the idea of of them always arguing about about like killing and violence and everything. And she's like super pro violence. But then the minute the doctor pulls out that rifle and starts just starts pegging Centaurans, she's just like, oh, uh, I'm just going to stay here. Why? 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 Oh, because I'm in love with this guy right here behind me. Yep. Uh <laughs> That's that's what my headcanon is because it makes no sense that she would stay behind otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Way to way to completely like derail this like quote unquote feminist icon of just like a strong woman by marrying her off. Like that's yeah. that's so insulting. It's like the worst it's like one of the worst just like send offs for companions and you're just like, Oh god, like, oh why? Just why? Um <laughs> So so you liked it is what I'm hearing. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, it was it was four episodes of of really bland saltine cracker WTF followed by <laughs> two episodes of just like rage induced WTF. Um, I did good. warn you. I did yeah. warn you. Yeah. 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 Uh, here's 
here's the crazy thing. Having seen this, like, this is my third time watching this. Um, I find I enjoy it for what it is. Like, I would never say that this is a good story. But I think that there's, like, some interesting things that they do here. There's some interesting moments. But it is very messy in terms of, like, trying to explain things. Um, and it's very, very, very ensconced into, like, its own navel-gazing mythology. Where, like... You know, the doctor at a certain point, I think it's in episode five, or basically the doctor, when he becomes president, gets like the crown of Rassilon, the rod of Rassilon, the sash of Rassilon, and they're all... <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous. He's in his jammies. <laughs> well, he's just, he's literally, he's like cosplaying as, 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 as Scrooge. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what's happening. Like, I expected like the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future to be there. Yeah. Um, to yeah. show him, like, just be like... Doctor, why are you being such a jerk? <laughs> and just taking him through the whole thing. And then his it, it, his, uh, his uh, 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 ghost of Christmas future or ghost of Gallifrey future is just the fifth doctor. And he's just like, ugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No, um, he's just he's literally just in a nightgown. He's yeah. just in a nightgown. And then they, they give him the sash and the, oh, my God, it was so ridiculous yeah. it's I, it's it's oh, ridiculous man. um but it's like it's like and then at a certain point you're like okay well these are things from the deadly assassin and like they don't make any like they don't explain what the matrix is at all they're just like we hope you watched the deadly assassin last season um they don't explain what the matrix is and then they go and like then all of a sudden there's like this key of rassilon and then it's like if, if the, the key of rassilon has always been with the chancellor and the chancellor like no president has ever found it and the president has always been looking for the key that's the president's goal like it's like really that all the things in the world like can you imagine like that's basically like saying like barack obama takes o takes office as the president and on the on day one the speaker of the house walks in and goes by the way mr president uh george washington hid his constitution in the white house and no one has ever found it and um you need to find it that's the one thing you need to do and he's like but the people and then he's like mm -mm, constitution and then obama just also sent also, the Constitution can uh, fuel a massive rifle. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> which is which is the only thing this country needs. So. With which you can obliterate your enemies completely. <laughs> um, and also, also uh, in in my office, I mean, I'm not saying it's Washington's Constitution, but in my office, there's just going to be a wall full of constitutions. So if that sounds like the sort of thing that you're interested in, come by and try and find it. It's probably one of those constitutions, right? And then it's like, no, I'll bet you it's in his, it's in your desk. And he's like, oh, what? Like, that's basically what happens at a certain point in this. It, it's really completely insane. And it, But it's also, like, I don't totally fault them for it because, like, I think the structure is good. Like, I look at the structure of this and I'm actually really impressed by it. The 4 and 2 structure really works well. The cliffhangers all work pretty well. Um, and I think that, like, you know, as a, as a purely told story, like, it moves exactly the way that i'd want it to move um it's just that in between like the beginnings and endings of episodes it's just like oh my god why are we running around like i don't know why leela's out on the surface i don't know why there's gallifreyans here by the way they finally gave you your answer to who are gallifreyans on gallifrey who aren't time lords that's your answer um <laughs> So, so it's like i mean it's really i mean it's really interesting but like i think that the thing that's most interesting to me is the obfuscation of the Doctor's plot. Because you're watching the first two, and you're like, what the heck happened to the Doctor? Because he's just marching around barking orders, being a real, like, just a real, like, arse. Like, he's just being a real arse. And um, 
uh, and everyone's like, I don't know what's going on. And then it does not until episode three that you figure out what the doctor's doing because he pulls Barusa aside, has this, has this room that has been completely shielded from the Vardens and basically says, I found out about the Varden plan. Uh, to invade Gallifrey, and it's going to happen. So the only way that this is going to work is if I team up with the Vardens, we figure out how to take them out, I figure out how to take them out, keep them out of my brain, because if they got in any of your brains, you can't hide from them, because they can read thoughts. And my brain is so ze- so zonky that I can just, you know, go out and uh, I can I can confuse them for a while. I will attempt to bring them down single-handedly, but in order to do that, I have to kind of act like a jerk for four episodes. Um... That's his plan, and it's really interesting to me that they go two and a half episodes without explaining that. So, like, if you are watching it week to week, you get one episode where all of a sudden the Doctor is not acting like he should be. And then you're like, oh, well, this will be better next week. And then he's still not acting normal. And then by the third week, it's like, here's my plan. But it's not until after the Vardens have completely invaded Gallifrey and taken over that... um that it's that it's revealed but it's like it is it is confusing like it is the sort of thing that doesn't quite play as well as you kind of want it to um because it's a good plan it's a very mccoy-esque plan um but it is very obscure i suppose just like it is opaque at places where it doesn't need to be and it shouldn't be you know what i mean Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's been going on. And I like the, I, I really like the four and two split. I don't like the Centauran two-parter because it's like, it's like the Centaurans don't need your help to be made wacky. Like they don't need your help. Um, but so it is tall. the sort of thing where it's like, I look at it and I find that I enjoy it more than I did originally. Um, it's It's got a bunch of things where I'm just like, ooh, bad move. But like, you know, it at the very least, it has this really just this Castellan who's just a weasel like he's just a weasel like he is just going to where the power is and he is following them because he follows the doctor for two episodes and then he follows the vardens for two episodes and then he follows the centaurans for two episodes and it's like where's your loyalty where's your loyalty gallifrey and time lord like i don't understand um but yeah i it's i mean i don't think it's the worst of the season i thought invisible enemy and underworld are worse um but it's certainly not good um and it's certainly one of those things that is best it's one of those stories where it happens and it's best that we all just forget that it happened uh, and pretend like it didn't because it really kind of just messes with too many things. Um, and it's messy and it's meh. But yes, that's my thoughts. Mm. <sighs> yeah. It's yeah. um, it's a thing. <laughs> Stars are really tall in this too. They're like six feet tall. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's they're, they're monsters. They're monsters. If you think these are tall Centaurans, wait until two doctors when they're just cast, casting like giants to be Centaurans. Like, oh my god, <laughs> it's so much worse than you imagine. Like they're just like they're just like really tall Centaurans. You're just like what? Like That's why? Like ta- Centaurans that are as tall as Colin Baker. I feel it's really bad. It's really really bad because short things aren't scary. That's why we need to make Daleks taller. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Not good. No, not, not good. good. Bad story. Really mm. bad story. Mm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I don't have anything else to say. Nope. That's it. Okay. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. You can purchase any paperback hardcover Omnibus or Absolute Edition. They're about 45% off and new release specials at 50% off every week. Remember, all orders uh, over $50 get free shipping. So uh, get over there and uh, 
use the Doctor Who sale. They're running a sale at InStockTrades.com right now. All the IDW uh, Doctor Who comics, uh, they're 45% off until the uh, until the 50th anniversary. So uh, you got a few you got a few more weeks, a um, little over a month. But uh, make sure that you get over there and, and, and get that stuff in now while it's 45% off because, I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, and get a bunch of stuff, uh, place an order over $50, get free shipping, and uh, thank InStockTrades.com for sponsoring the show. Next week, uh, our last episode before our 10 to 1 countdown begins, uh, we're talking Sylvester McCoy. Speaking of the uh, the master manipulator, yeah, uh, the master planner. Um, we're talking about Sylvester McCoy and Survival, which is the final episode of the classic series mm-hmm. um, before they before the attempted reboot '96, and then the the successful reboot in 2005. Um, so yeah, it's cat people, right? Yes, it's cats. Yeah. Is this is this uh, is this? I seem to remember this is the master, right? Survival. Yes. yes. Yeah. So. Does this explain why he's a snake in the 96 one? <laughs> no. Okay, so that never actually happens. That's no. just a thing. Yeah, that's just that's a, a thing that happens. Okay, so he's just like a random sorcerer in the 96 movie. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Master <laughs> Snake. <laughs> no, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. Nope. <laughs> It's <laughs> giving them the benefit of the doubt that that came from somewhere. Nope. Okay, good. Villains Very just good. can turn into snakes. That's how this goes. It's just that's just the way it goes. Well, especially ones that that dress so flamboyantly. Well, I mean, I was about to he, make a bad joke. Anyways, he, dre- <laughs> he dresses for the occasion. Um. Oh, that's sexual dialogue. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So bad. Um, <laughs> oh, on so many levels. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's that's that. Um, in the meantime, you can listen to our other podcast, The Mind Robbers Versus, uh, where we're talking about Justice League. And I don't know what the next movie versus we're going to do. Thor at the latest. Um, oh, yeah, Thor. Okay. But yeah, there's also Thor. the possibility of doing Carrie. Possibly. Eh, I doubt it. That'll At most, that'll be a main topic, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. Um, on uh, The Mind Robbers, which is our flagship show, where we do talk about a main topic uh, most weeks, and then we have a, uh, we have a, we have a movie pick. This week, uh, we're combining the two. We're doing a bit of a double feature because um, we're doing uh, Horror Movie Month, so we're, we're, we're doing The Shining for this week's episode, but we're double featuring it with uh, Room 237, which is a documentary about The Shining and all the theories about The Shining. Um, and it's one that we've both been wanting to see or been really curious about for a long time. So we're going to go ahead and double feature them. And then, uh, we'll also be talking about, you know, the regular stuff, whatever we've been up to since last week. And then we do a music pick and some comic picks and we, we just talk about whatever we want to. Um, so check out the mind robbers for that. Uh, or you can follow us on Twitter on twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also Scott commentary where I live tweet things from time to time, but not as often as Matt. Although we are planning on doing uh, a live tweet soon in the next couple of weeks. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just really busy right now. Happens. Um, it happens. What about you, Matt? 
You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungadin. Also, my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash GD Commentary, where I live tweet uh, stuff like the OC, which actually, by the time that this podcast is out, should be done with season three. Um, that's the goal. That's the plan. God help me. Um, <laughs> so check out that. Also, my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I uh, blogged about all the stories. And Invasion of Time was one of the stories that I blogged about. So if you're interested in more thoughts, uh, those thoughts can be found there. And that's where you can find me. Boom. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> we'll be back next week with Sylvester McCoy and Survival. Bye. Bye. Bye.